So he has released the good things. Wherever it is, financial blessing, opportunities in life, he has not withheld anything from us. And the reason is that we are his children. And the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He is the CEO of the earth. Chief administrator of the earth. Managing director of the earth. He calls the shots. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the heart of the Lord. And he moves, he moves it as he pleases. So if you need favor with somebody, the person's heart is in the hand of a king. It's in the hand of God. He can move things your way. Hallelujah. And he is telling you that no good thing will I withhold from you. No good thing. That means that's what the good things he wants to give them to you. It, it's left with your ability to open the door through which that good thing is going to come. And today your eyes will be open to be able to recognize doors. Hallelujah. And when you recognize the door, the door doesn't become useful to you until you are able to open it. So you recognize the door, one. Two, you open the door. And then three, you enter. That is when the door becomes useful to you. If you open the door and you don't enter, what is the use of the door? It's just a decoration for you. So you recognize, you open, and you enter. And today, after you have been equipped with the power of recognition, God is going to give you the ability to open doors and the ability to enter doors. Sometimes the fact that you've opened the door doesn't mean you will enter it. Sometimes you don't even have to open the door. The door is already open. Paul says something. You, I'll come to that one. It's not every open door that is easy to enter. Sometimes there are things in between. Adversaries. Opposers. Now, let us read Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. I'm just trying to prove to you that God does his things through open doors. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. He said, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. He was speaking to a church. And I believe God is saying that to us as a church today. He said, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Hallelujah. So, whatever God wants to do in a church, for a church, through a church, it will come through open doors and we pray and release open doors unto this ministry in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 16 9 to 10 1 Corinthians chapter 16 9 to 10 so even in ministry you need doors to open for things to happen this is Paul speaking. He said, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. So I was telling you that it is not every door that is open that you can enter easily. Sometimes you need to deal with the adversary that stands between you and the door that is open. So here Paul, talking about ministry, he said, Okay, we can just do with the, with the, with the, with the first verse that we read. For ministry, Paul here is saying that a great and effectual door has been opened. You see, for ministries, doors can open in the form of, oh, you are looking for some land somewhere and God just connects you to somebody who knows a prime place where you can get good land at a good price. Archbishop Duncan Williams was telling the story of how they got the land for the prayer, prayer cathedral, Spintex. I mean, it wasn't something they actually paid for. The government just gave it to them. Government said he wanted to give land to some churches, and he picked two. It was Rollins' time in those days. He actually gave them a first land, and it was supposed to be just next to where Christ's temple is. So he gave the land to uh, ICGC and then gave to Asher. But he said God told him that that's not the, the place they're supposed to be. I can imagine how it would have been having Christ's temple on one side, and then prayer cathedral on the other side. So he actually rejected. He told them that, no, God says, I mean, that's a very bold thing to do. You've gotten land free. He said, just no bending, just take the land free. 
He said, no, that's not where God has it. God says that is not the place they are supposed to be. So the one who was in charge of the land said, okay, the only other place you can give me, that's Spintes. At that time, Spintes was bush. Went and saw the place. Hey, there was no road, nothing. I'm like, ah, how can I move people from, those days I think they were meeting at trade fair. They, they, they started at airport and they moved to straight fair. Trade fair to relocate the church to that place. I mean, are people going to come? And God told him, that if you move there, I'll move the city to you. Move there, I'll move the city. And look at what, it was the church that makes Vintage Road what it is now. Just like right now, when you look at, there is this church in, in um, Prophet Nanase Sarkodie's church. The place they went to was nothing. Now the whole place is developing. God has opened doors for them. They are actually developing an estate. Build houses. Church members are getting it at affordable prices. May the Lord open doors to this ministry. Yeah, so God can open doors. And all kinds of things will happen. They got it free. So we, too, we are waiting for government to come and call us and say, come for buses, come for, uh, what do you call it, land, free of charge. And these things can happen. Because God has the keys. The Bible says, I am he who opens and no man can shut. And I shut and no man can open. That means as much as God opens doors, he can also shut doors. And most of the time, when he shuts a door to his child, it's because what is behind the door is not good for you. It's because it's not good for you. Sometimes there are things that you think, even biblically, they are supposed to be correct things. They are supposed to be things that God is supposed to give you. For example, let's read Acts chapter 13, 6 to 7. So Acts, Acts 13, 6 to 7. So there are things when you want to do, the Holy Spirit will resist you. Even though they may be good things, even though they may be things that under normal circumstances you don't expect that all. As for this one, I mean, God should open the door. Oh no, it's not 13. No. Hey, did I say 13? Okay, okay. Let me check my scripture. Okay, you will come back to it. But the point that I'm trying to say is that God can close doors, alright? There was a time Paul wanted to go and preach somewhere. And the Bible said what? The Holy Spirit withstood them. You think, oh, as for preaching, it's a good thing. We have been commissioned to go out and preach, alright? So why is God preventing them? They said the Holy Ghost resisted them. And another point, they said that the Spirit of Jesus Christ, Jesus' Spirit, the Spirit of Christ resisted them. So it's not everything that it's good for you that God will open a door for you to do. Hallelujah. Sometimes you have this mentality that, oh, once the thing is a good thing, then I must do it. But God knows better. And I've been telling you that there are times that open doors are also traps. When you want to trap a bed, you open a door and you put food inside. So the bed sees the food, crosses the door, enters, and the door shuts on him. Even in ministry, the enemy can set traps for you. Things that you may think are ministry openings and ministry doors. There was a time long ago, I got the opportunity to actually be on radio to preach once a week. And I wasn't going to pay anything for it. And the Holy Spirit told me that it's not time for that yet. It's not time. Opportunities have come for international ministry. Holland, France, this, that. There are places that if I want to preach in London next week, I just have to send a text. And quickly, quickly, quick, they were arranged. I'll come. But the Lord said, the international stage of the thing hasn't come yet. Everything has a season and everything has its time. Hallelujah. There are certain things if you are exposed to too early, the enemy too recognizes you too early. And he starts bringing the challenges too early. Sometimes God wants you to mature small. He wants your head to your forehead to be hard small before he brings certain breakthroughs. So there are times that God Himself will restrict us. There are times that God Himself will stand in the way. 
Now, there are different types of doors, and I can identify four of them, four different types of doors. And if we are going to recognize doors in our lives, we have to know these four kinds of doors. There's a very strong correlation always between the physical and the supernatural. There's always a very nice correlation. Physical things have a way of, 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 of or, or spiritual things have a way of behaving the same way physical things behave, all right? So, spiritual doors also behave like physical doors. So, the first kind of door is a door that requires the application of physical force to open. Those doors don't have keys. You have to push them for them to be unlocked, for them to open. It takes physical force to open them. And in life, there are, there are doors like that. You see, people think every door is such that once... I get to it, it's easy. Once it's a door, I get to it, it's easy. There are things that you need to force in life for. The opportunity has come, the thing has opened up. But you need to force, you need to put in some effort. You need to go the extra mile in order to push that door for it to open. Hallelujah. The second kind of door are doors that have keys or codes. Everybody say keys. Say codes. So there are doors that have keys or codes. If you don't have the key, you can stand in front of the door. You do whatever you know how to do. That door will never open. If there are doors that have codes, if you don't know the code, if you've not been given insight that if you press 0503, the door is going to open. You'll be there. You can put in 99. You can put in 666. You can put in whatever number you know in this world. It will never happen. You must have insight to the code. Hallelujah. Something like walking in the supernatural. There is a secret code of boldness that comes with walking in the supernatural and walking in the gifts of the spirit. If you don't have that code, if you don't have that thing in you, trust me, you will never walk in the supernatural. Hallelujah. God is giving you a word of knowledge and you are debating, Charlie, what if I go and say the thing and it is not like that? That God is saying, your hometown is called Dunkurubu. <laughs> and you are afraid. If you see people walking in the supernatural, it's because they have conquered the fear for the thing. Hallelujah. If you see people who can stand and pray for the sick to be healed, it's because they've conquered the fear. And I've told you that the fear for praying for the sick comes from the fact that you think the healing power comes from you. So that if the person doesn't get healed, then it means the shame is yours. If you are not the healer, then you, will not, you can't also take the shame. Amen. Yours is just to pray and God will decide whether he will heal the person or not. Hallelujah. After all, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything. If the person doesn't get healed, it's possible. It's time for the healing hasn't come. Amen. On Wednesday, I was teaching you the fact that theologians believe that the man at the beautiful gate, the one who asked Peter and John for arms, it is believed that that man was sitting there. It was the same temple that Jesus used to go and pray with the disciples in. So it's possible Jesus was seeing him every time they were going to pray. Why didn't Jesus Christ heal him? Because his time hadn't come. His healing was for Peter and John. Hallelujah. Yeah. So something like the supernatural, there's a code, there's a key. And one of them is the supernatural. Uh, sorry, is boldness. The other is being open to the supernatural. That's too, too many people who are shut to the, to the supernatural. When it comes to Christianity, we are shut. Everything has to be explicable. It's like, we are too logical in our thinking. But it is a code we must have in order to unlock the door to that thing called the supernatural. You must be open. In meetings, you must be open to the supernatural. You must be open to divine instructions on things you must do. The woman with the issue of blood was open to divine instruction that go and touch the hem of his garment. And she broke through many people and made sure that was done. And that was how she got her healing. There are meetings where people receive divine instructions from God. Go and do this. Go and touch the pulpit. Sometimes you see they are preaching and somebody comes and puts a seed on the ground and things like that. It's a divine instruction the person has received. And the person is just obeying. And sometimes those instructions may be some way. The other day during the boss agenda fast, I called somebody and I prophesied on him. Something, 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 and somebody felt led that the oil that fell, he should go and take it. That's divine instruction. Hallelujah. But most of the time, we like to use our minds. We think too much. 
And so we deny ourselves access into that realm called the supernatural. So it's a key and it's a code. So there are doors that if you don't have the key to, financial blessing, for example, one of the keys to financial blessing is that you must be a giver. And this thing about giving, eh, it's not, it's not about being a Christian. Why do you think the advanced countries are getting richer and we, those who are always receiving, we are getting poorer? It is a divine principle. They will always give us aid. Japan, aid. This aid. England, aid. Some time ago, the English threatened to stop giving us aid because they wanted us to legalize gay. I always say that if Prof. Atamils never did anything good, he stood there and told the British Prime Minister that if you like, take your money and take it away. Hallelujah. Yeah. Giving. You must be a giver. It is a spiritual principle. It is more blessed to, uh, to receive than to give. To receive than to give. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is a key. It is a code. If you don't plug into that code, you will not come into abundance. All those Bill Gates and things. If you look at how much they give, eh? Bill Gates can take one billion dollars, give it to eight. The richest black man, Ali Kodangote, in Nigeria, when Ebola came to Nigeria, he donated 450 million dollars for them to fight Ebola. Because when the thing got to Nigeria, the way it got there, if they hadn't had that money, it would have been crazy. Because Nigerians, they go everywhere. It would have been the point at which the disease would have been spread to the whole world. So Nigerians, they, you see, Nigerians, they, they are very industrious. Wherever there is money, the Nigerian will go. So they will go with it to Dubai. They will go to Germany with it. They will go to China with it. And it will spread around the whole world. But this man donated $450 million to fight the thing. Why won't he get richer? And even him, eh? The blessing that made him rich. It was a, he's a Muslim, but it was a Christian man of God. Benson Idahosa, who pronounced that blessing on him. Benson Idahosa was hosting T.L. Osborne and his wife for a crusade. And they had to go to Lagos to catch a plane. And when they got to the airport, the plane was full. And Dangote then was no, he wasn't a rich man. He and his personal assistant were sitting. And Idahosa, in his usual boldness, jumped onto the plane and said, can I have two people who will vacate their seats for these two servants of God? And Dangote told this, listen, let's get up. And they got up for him. And he pronounced a blessing on him. That my God will bless you. Listen, pronounce several blessings. And the people who were in the plane, who were Christians, were shouting, Amen. Amen. Why he was pronouncing the blessing. They were saying, Amen. Meaning that they were Christians. And they sat down. And the Muslim received the blessing. Right now, he's not just the richest Nigerian. He's not just the richest African. He's the richest black man. On earth. So, getting up was his door. I pray that you recognize your door when it comes. <laughs> the door was just get up. Just straighten your legs. And walk. Finish. Now he is well worth billions of dollars. So as for the doors, they are around us. It's a matter of recognizing the door when it comes. And walking through. was it. All he sacrificed was a little lateness. That was all. People were sitting there, oh, no, no, we'll get up. When they were pronouncing their blessing, they, they, they were making it more effective too by saying, amen, amen. The number of mosques this man has built, if it had, he had built, if it, if, if it had been built uh, as churches, it would have been good for the kingdom of God. Yeah. So doors come away and we fail to recognize them. But I pray that you recognize your door when it comes. So there are doors that have keys and codes. And then there are doors with senses. Doors with senses. Those ones, you don't need a key. If you have a key, it's useless. If you have a code, it's useless. They have senses and all you have to do is to walk towards the door. And when the sensor senses your presence... The door advises itself in two different directions. We have some of them in some of the banks. You go to the mall, you'll find some there. Those doors, if you stand behind and you shout, Ago, Ago, you shout 100 years, it will never open. A 
And for a lot of us, us eh, there are doors that are like that in our life. You are still standing there shouting that go. That go is the prayer that you have been praying. You have prayed and prayed, tongues, fasted, prayed, first degree tongues, postgraduate tongues, PhD tongues. Now you have even become a professor in the tongue. Still praying for the door to open. Meanwhile, all you have to do is walk towards the door. The door senses your presence and opens. Simple. I know people who never went through interview for a job opportunity. They fasted and prayed and walked into the office of the CEO. Walk into the office of the CEO. Hey, listen, sir. I'm so sure and so. I don't have a job. I want a job. Sometimes doing the unusual thing can even tip the scales in your favor. Look, one of the tricks with interviews is that by the time you leave, they should remember you for, for the right reason. And it's important to add for the right reasons. Because some people go and they remember them for all kinds of things. They should remember you. You must stand out. And that is when you must break out of your box. When you go for medical school exam, interview, everybody, why do you want to be a doctor? Because I want to help people. Nobody will remember you because 95% of the people, in fact 99.9% of the people will come and say the same thing. You have, have a passion and compassion. You are rhyming. Now you have become a rap star. Compassion and passion. Everybody's going to say that. Who will remember you? Nobody will remember you. I know somebody who went for an interview for a postgraduate scholarship. And you know for a postgraduate scholarship, one question they will always ask you, will you come back? Like to study abroad. Will you come back after you are done? Everybody, oh, yes. And listen, listen. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a very patriotic person. I have the country at heart. And everybody was saying the same thing. This guy, when they asked him, will you come back? He says, says, if I was planning to come back, I won't tell you. <laughs> and that is the truth. You think somebody will come and sit here and is looking for this opportunity and will tell you that, oh, if you give me me, you think I'll step back in this country. All the poverty in my house. <laughs> I have to stay there and make money and take care of them. Nobody will come and tell you that. He looked at them first. He told them, if really that was my idea, I won't tell you. Out of the 40 people, he was the only one who was picked. You need to break out of the ordinary. Everybody, oh, I'm passionate about the country. I, 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 when I see the, the sufferings of the people, my heart bleeds. And I need to come back and do something, something. I have to do something to help my people. He looked at I told them, if that was my plan, I won't tell you. And they realized it's true. Nobody will come and sit here and tell you I'm not going to. So they realized their question was useless. He said, I know. We are going to go with this guy. 40 people. He was picked. When they did this post graduate in London. Came back. And went back to the one who led the decision. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> That's it. So there are doors that have senses. Let me show you an example. Exodus chapter 14. Let's read from verse 11. Exodus chapter 14. Verse 11. Somebody will say, hey, which sensor door? Door with sensor in the Bible. When electricity hadn't even been discovered. This was Israel when they got to the Red Sea. He said, and they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away? To die in the wilderness. This was when Pharaoh's chariots were coming. Wherefore hast thou dealt us with us? To carry us forth out of Egypt. Next. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt? Saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Next. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Stand still. Somebody say, stand still. But you see, Moses, he didn't got it wrong. The solution wasn't in standing still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Next. 
The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And listen to what God said to him. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Why are you still crying unto me? You cried. I told you in the wilderness that the cry of my people has come unto me and I've come to deliver them. So as for the prayer, you have prayed. I have heard it. What should you do? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Stop the crying. Stop the screaming. You have prayed enough. God heard it a long time ago. There is a door that needs to sense your presence and you must go forward. And the rest is history. As soon as they set forth and started moving forward. Because that forward movement wasn't even logical. You can see a seed there. These are not amphibians. They don't have gills. They, they, they can't have proper respiration in water. I'm sure most of them couldn't even swim. And you say move forward. What I'm trying to tell you is that some of the instructions God will tell you to do or to carry out will not make sense. It will not make sense. They say everybody is going for an interview. You alone go and see the CEO before time. It doesn't make sense. You are breaking protocol. But if it's an instruction from God, do it. Because it will cause the door to open. People sit and wait for contracts to come to them. Others to go and go and bid for it. This is what I can do. Give me the contract and I'll do it. Who told you you are too young to get a contract? We need to break out of certain mentalities. You see... Prosperity is not the most important thing in Christianity, but it helps. Hallelujah. When about the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, my wife also says that the lack of money is also the root of a lot of evil. Prostitution is a matter of a lack of money. Armed robbery is a problem with the lack of money. If they had money in their pocket, they don't go and stand by the street and wriggle their waist like they are worms. The lack of money. So don't think too lowly of yourself. Don't think too lowly of yourself. You must believe God. He said, no good thing will I withhold from you, including riches. It is good to be rich and be anointed at the same time. It's good to be rich and be, and be spiritual at the same time. It's good to be rich and still be consistent in the things of God. I am getting frustrated with that thing where in the kingdom of God, when you have to do a project, you launch it two years ahead of time, you launch it like five times and you do a grand harvest even the harvest, you're not able to harvest enough to be able to carry out the project but people on earth here in the kingdom of God have proved that God is able to provide, it's because they are ready to think big, Bishop Oedipo said there was a time they wanted to buy a jet for the church to help in their evangelism and things and God told him, don't raise the funds yet when the time comes, I'll tell you if it's somewhere in Ghana and you're going to raise funds for a jet, you start raising the funds like five years, continue. One day, just like how I preached to you on Sunday, he was getting ready to come and preach. He just had to go to the bathroom and come out. While he was in the bathroom, God said, when, when you go back, go and take the offer, offering for the jet. He went back, just told the people, four or five lines, we need to buy a jet. This, that, 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 that. They raise enough money to buy two. To buy two. We tap into that grace in the name of Jesus. Two. So don't limit your mind. Don't limit your mind. You are all here, sir. Intelligent people. People who don't have half of your brains. The kind of things they are using it for. And life is comfortable for them. And you all you know is to chew anatomy, biochemistry, nursing, this is of town making this. Oh, that's all you are using your brain for. You are not dreaming big. And you are not looking out for the doors that are around you. The fourth kind of door is what we call a timing or a seasonal door. There are some doors they revolve. If you miss it, you have to wait for a whole cycle before it comes again. And there are doors like that. When the time is ripe, you have to enter the door. Some people have this problem with being lassie, lassie about everything. Should I, should I not? Should I, should I? It's like, you know, you want to enter, you don't want to enter. You want to. Look, this world, you need to be a risk taker. Hallelujah. 
you must be a risk taker. That's what the Bible says. The righteous man is what? As bold as a lion. Timidity is not one of the fruits of the spirit. The righteous man is as bold as a lion. You must be a risk taker. Esther was a risk taker. She said, I will go. If I perish, I perish. Simple. That's the kind of mentality we must have. Yes, there are times when you have to be cautious. But there are times too you must throw caution to the wind and go in headlong. Anybody who is rich in this world will tell you they took risks with work. You have a friend. He is a multi-millionaire. And the kind of business ventures he goes, they are things, they are not for the faint-hearted. They are not, if they tell you the and how it works and this, 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 and he believes that he has the spirit of God, so he won't go wrong. He's a foreigner who came to, he's a Korean, who came to Ghana and naturalized as a Ghanaian. He changed the Ghanaian passport for 17 years. We, we want another, another, somebody else's passport. This one, Korea, which is way more developed than, than Ghana. 17 years, he changed the Ghanaian passport. When he got the Ghanaian passport, he added Kojo to his name. Korean man, when you see him, there's nothing Ghanaian about him. When he shows you the kind of business things he does, risky. He had a Korean name and he added Joseph to his name. Because he said, just like Joseph came from a foreign land, entered somebody's land and prospered there. That is his portion. That is what God has told him. And it's working for him. If I tell you how much this guy is worth, he's sitting here in Ghana and Forbes is profiling him. You know Forbes, they don't go to small boys. You must have substantial something. Forbes is profiling him. And he's doing it here in Ghana. Risky. And the thing that amazed me about him the most was that he entered into a covenant early in business. That as for him, the tithing rule that says, Give 10% and keep 90. He reversed it. So he was giving 90 and keeping 10. How many of you? This is a risk taker I'm talking about. How many of you have the, the heart to do that kind of thing? <laughs> I'm telling you, there are certain highs that are not for the faint-hearted. He reversed it. And that time it's not like he had a lot to his first business he started was, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? Digital printing. What do you call it? When I was CMF president, our first banner, those days digital printing wasn't, uh, he had some car, he sold it. He used to buy a printing machine. Those days digital printing wasn't too common. So he was using to paint billboards and stuff like that for people. Right at that time, when it was just a small business, he reversed it. 90. Hmm. To the point where because he had to keep the covenant he had with God. His own children, he had to take them out of school. Because the 10% wasn't enough to sustain them. But he had a wife who stood by him. That this is a covenant with God. And we'll see it through. It was some woman. Eh? How can your children be at home? And you are giving all that money. And pastors. Are you? He was using his money to take care of pastors' children. And taking them to international school. His own children were being homeschooled because it was a covenant and he had to obey it. Certain heights are not for the faint hearted. Are not for the faint hearted. And doors are seasonal. There are some doors if you don't enter now. There are certain prophetic words. If I give it to you, you don't walk with it now. You may have lost it forever. It's like that. Doors open in the spirit, and you must enter. You must be sensitive enough to know that this is the time. Opportunities don't last forever. Sometimes you are chasing a particular girl. God tells you that after that particular service, go and speak to her. And you are there doing last, last year. Should I? Should I not? Should I? Should I? And then you see another guy is talking to her. Because God knew that that day her heart was soft and receptive. So whoever plants the seed, it shall grow. And you are there. Last year, last year, every time you say, "Tell me, boy, hey, God, I'm dying. Oh, my heart is breaking. It is tearing apart, not breaking." When the door opens, enter. Enter. 
to propose to a lady, that's not when you are beating about the bush. Some people are afraid men, so their fear alone, it makes you unattractive. Instead of going straight to the point, the door is open. Enter. I ask him, eh, eh, that's your black dog. How is he doing? <laughs> Want to know about the dog? <laughs> is the dog you're interested in? Is it a dog? Is it because of the dog you came from? Because of the human being. Receive the boldness to enter doors when they open. A woman got a chance to do something for Jesus Christ. She sold her whole year's wages. Bought very expensive perfume. She went. Poured it on Jesus. The people were like, ah, you cry, how can you waste this thing? Judas Iscariot, thief man. He said this thing could have been sold. You see, this is somebody who loves money. Materialistic. When he saw the thing, he knew the price. He knew that this is Gucci. When you immediately saw it, he knew the price that it is worth a whole year's wages. How can you waste this thing like this? And Jesus said something that they didn't understand. He told them that she has come to prepare my body for the burial. And they didn't get it. Ah, but you are sitting here with us. You are telling us that he's, he's come to prepare your body for the burial. When Jesus died, days after, the woman went to the grave. What were they going to do? They were going to put spices on his body. By the time they got there, the man wasn't there. Somebody saw the opportunity and took it. Saw the opportunity and took it. Jesus was laughing at them. They, they couldn't understand what he was saying. Because the time you say you are coming, I will not be there. I will be there. So opportunities even to serve when they come. Serve in the house of God. Oh, let me finish MB3 because MB3 is hot. Oh, let me finish this particular uh, what do you, first year of my, uh, what do you call it, course that I'm doing. The opportunity may not be there. If you are lucky and it's a revolving door, it may come again. And if you have the habit of missing revolving doors, the likelihood of you missing it again too is high. Because when that one to come, there will be something else that you give us an excuse. And you're not walking through it. So four doors. Doors that require application of physical force. Doors with keys and codes, doors with senses, and then timing or revolving door. Now, how do doors manifest? When we are talking about doors, you won't see a door with a handle open in front of you. Hey, a door has opened. That's not how it's going to be. How will these doors come? One, the door might be in the form of an idea, smart idea, a witty idea. Let's read Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12. Proverbs 8, 12. Proverbs 8, 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of what witty inventions. May the Lord bless you with witty inventions. You see, the brain that is in your head, there are a lot of ideas that can change the world, ideas that can change people's lives. You are just not tapping into it. A lot of you, you're actually even sitting on an idea. Some, some, some very brilliant idea came into your mind. Those who have made it in this world, they had ideas to solve problems. You just decide to solve a problem. When the guy who is doing cocoa king, when he started, people were laughing. Now you do cocoa. Ah. The guy was abroad and came back. The small pounds that you are going to make with the, from the Walla to Walla side, things that you are giving. He brought it and started invested it to make cocoa porridge. To sell. Like, ah. You know this guy, you went to school, you are selling cocoa. Those who sell cocoa by the roadside are people who have never been to They were laughing at him. There was an idea. Right now, look at what that business has become. Zoom Lion, he just decided that me, what people don't like, which is rubbish, that is what I'll collect. The thing that people don't like. See, that's why I said, you can't reach a certain height if you think like everybody. What people don't like, that is what me, I like rubbish. You, the things you don't like, bring, I'll collect them and I'll make money out of it. There is this guy who is one of the biggest real estate moguls in Ghana. He's just about 33 years old. And this guy is a multi-billionaire. He was in London trying to hustle. 
because his mother was a single mother. So university time, then he would go and hobby. When he finished university, he decided to stay there small and Charlie hustle and get some money. He managed to buy some small car. He was driving around one day and went to drive at the wrong place. And there, there when you, when you, when you, sorry, he went to park at the wrong place. And then when you park at the wrong place, your car will be clamped. The policemen, they don't, they don't take bribe. They're not like Ghana that is in, is in, they look at your wallet. Then they will. <laughs> Once you remove something, they say, no, no, he, don't want, he doesn't want a blue note. Make it green, make it green. And they'll relieve your tie for you, no. But because he was a hustler, he knew that, and the policemen were not there, they had put a ticket. So he has to report and, you know, get the thing released. He was a hustler. He knew that if you lose the tie, there's a way of removing the car from there. So he looked left and right, lose the tie, remove, and he took the clamp, the thing, and drove off. And I was like, this thing, what can I do with it? He knew some man who used metals to do things. He saw him, he was like, oh. In fact, he just passed by the man's place. And the man was like, ah, this thing that you are holding, sell it for me. He was like, eh? This thing that I was just going to throw it away somewhere. He said, sell it for me. He said, how much? He said, 65 pounds. He said, what? This thing, 65 pounds. Sold it for him. And then an idea came to collect scrap metal. Started collecting scrap metal. And he made one million pounds out of collecting scrap metal. He was supplying the man with scrap. He said, oh, if you want this in there, I can get you a lot of similar things. I can get you plenty. Scrap metal. Started collecting scrap metal. It got to a time he was oversupplying the man. The man said, I know somebody who needs it more than I do. So he connected him to some company that deals in recycling metals. And that was it. One million pounds. He took the one million pounds and came to Ghana. Built one house. Built a second house. Right now, the guy has... And he... He employs architects from Portugal and Spain and white men. They come and work and he pays them big money. So he's done this 33 years. It's an idea. Eh? If you get married to such a person, do you have to work again? You sit at home and cross your leg and watch a 108-inch <laughs> television screen. Wow. An idea. And that is how open doors come. Many of you, your minds have been flooded with ideas, but you have flushed them out. But I pray that today there will be a revival of ideas in your mind. Revival of ideas. Anytime you drink um, fruit juice, the one in the paper, it's some, the way the thing is made, the thing is molded. It was one guy's idea. He was just playing with paper one day. Like, ah, listen that I've done. He went and registered it and put a patent on it. Anytime you are drinking in one of them, money is going to his family's bank account because he's put a patent on it. Anybody who will produce it has to pay a certain royalty. Just an idea. Paper. He was just playing with paper. It was a door that opened. He saw it and entered. There's a friend of mine. He said he has always had the idea to set up a driving school on campuses. Anytime I see him, I was like, what's, that? what's happening to daddy? Oh, it's in the pipeline. And the pipeline is long. You're never getting to the end of the pipeline. The thing is still in the pipeline. Very, very, very long pipeline. It's an idea. Take a risk. If you don't have the money, go and talk to your bankers. If they think your business proposal is a good one, they'll support it. As the profits come, you pay them. Ideas. Today, say, today pastor is talking about money. But... You see, you now you know that you need the money. <laughs> you know that you need the money. I keep saying it's not the most important thing in the kingdom of God. No, that's not what is going to take you to heaven. But it makes a lot of things very simple. A lot of things very simple. A lot of young ladies that have had to counsel out of wrong sexual relationships. The bottom line is that they need money. They need money. Father is not taking care of them. Mother is not really working. You have problems in school. So, some married man can be used. I'll take care of you. That's it. Ideas. May the Lord bless you with witty ideas. The door can come in the form of a person. People. There are some people you meet them and they are open doors. You go through them and you move to the next level. Just move to the next level. Connecting with certain people can change your life. And I'm not talking about just financial. Even in ministry. 
connecting with certain kinds of anointing. Elisha saw Elijah. And he realized that no, this one is a dog. It's a dog to the to the dog to the double portion. But no, I've heard about this guy, the great things that he's doing, the way he's close to God. I admire it. I want it. Let me go and link up. <laughs> can be people. It can be in the form of mentors. And you see, we must start taking mentorship seriously. Because the advantage of having a mentor is that the things that the mentor used years to achieve, you can use months. Because you are ready to learn. You learn from their mistakes. You don't repeat their mistakes. The things they did that dragged their vision. You will not do. Because you have learned from them. In ministry, it's good to have mentors. People you look up to. I told you when I was preaching during the Christmas time that Mary looked for Elizabeth who was also carrying something like her, but Elizabeth was more pregnant than her. She was six months pregnant at the time Mary conceived. So she had gone through it. When Mary was having morning sickness and vomiting, she was like, Charlie, don't worry, this thing is not going to kill you. Let's go and look for some cold water there and drink. When you are sleeping and you are having heartburn, just chuck the pillow in a certain way. That is what mentorship is about. And to submit to a mentor takes humility. It takes humility. Nobody is a self-made man. Nobody is a self-made woman. You always learn from people. If you want to walk alone, you will never reach where you are supposed to reach in the time you are supposed to reach it. It will always be prolonged. It will always be prolonged. So people, and there are people you meet and they change your financial destiny. Not because they will give you money, but because they will encourage you in an idea. They will tell you, go and put the money here. Do this with this. Do this with that. And it just changes. So I say, I'll tell you stories of such plenty. People that people met, not because they put physical money in their hand, but because they just gave them an idea. Don't you think this thing you could do it this way? Don't you think you're investing this? And when you do it this way, do it this way. And it just changes their financial destiny like that. Like the widow of Zarephath. She met the man of God, and that was the end of her financial struggle. And the Bible says, believe in the servant, the prophet, and you will, you will be prosperous. Sometimes it takes the spirit of God to lead people into prosperity. The Bible says, I am he who gives you the power to make wealth. The power to make wealth is from God. And sometimes he uses his servant to direct you. Do this, do this, do this. Sometimes one laying on of hands can release a certain kind of favor upon you. You go to bid for a contract, and even though you don't qualify, you just get it like that. People. And then the third kind of door can be opportunities. Everybody say opportunities. Opportunities just come. And you have to take them. Opportunities come. They are doors. And you have to walk into them. Sometimes when you get the opportunity to link up with certain people. Certain people. Maybe in your career. God just opens a door and you, you link up with some, and you realize that this person just makes your progress easy. They hold your hand, guide you, mentor you, push you. The same in ministry. Reverend Shuranaba will always say that Archbishop Duncan Williams has been pivotal in his ministry. He was part of his ministry and he left to Bolga to go and start. So for years, it's like, oh, Archbishop didn't really know what he was doing. One day he came to Accra. And Archbishop was like, oh, Oh, so you started a ministry? This, 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 this. Okay, midweek service. Action. You come and preach. Say, hey, make sure you fast. Oh, fast. Pray. Just push it. Fast. Oh, fast. Push it. Fast. So that they wore short sleeve shirts with a tie. Went and stood there. Fasted and prayed and fighted the this, this sermon. And one, one, one scripture that he released, the Archbishop stood up. That was it. When he finished, he said, you are coming back for a three-day revival. That was the opening of Isudanaba's ministry. And he introduced him to bigger pulpits and things like that. And now he's a worldwide phenomenon. When you get a small opportunity, those of you who are into ministry, they say lead worship. Go and fast. And me, somebody asked me, what was the first time I preached in Kolebu? The first preaching was at a class prayer meeting. So when you are seeing fire rally and there are 2,000 people there coming to listen to me, it started from a class prayer meeting. A few people had circled around me. And 
and I preach to them. My mentality those days was that every opportunity I get, I take it like welcome. Class prayer meeting. I fasted three days to go and preach at that class prayer meeting. I was in a class prayer meeting. So, so. Three days fasted. Those days I was very quiet in the class. Nobody knew me, that kind of thing. That evening, the class chaplains came and visited me. Went to sit in my room. I joined prayer band. I was given a chance to lead Sunday evening prayer meeting. Attend it into a revival. By the time I got to the hostel, news had already gone that there's fire on in the far park. I want to have fasted three days to go and lead. Non-prayer band leader said, no. You only lead just the prayer. You lead the Friday, the whole, what do you call it? I want to start open fire. Fasted three days. Went and fired. The next thing I saw, they said, half night. Come and do half night. That's how it was. It's because every opportunity I got, I took it serious. No matter how many people were there, I took it that these are precious souls of God. This mentality that you must get a crowd before your anointing will flow is a wrong fleshly mentality. They've invited me to places where, oh, they've said, we are going to be 300 people. I get there and it's 10. And that is when the anointing even stirs up them all. I will preach to 10 people as if I'm preaching at a grassroots stadium. And that's the mentality. You never know what door is going to be open. You never know who is sitting there. And the person will say, hey, I'm linked to T.D. Jakes, so come and preach at Manpower Conference. <laughs> so whatever you are doing, take it seriously in the house of God. Take it seriously. It will open doors to you. Don't say, oh, because it's a minor meeting. There's no minor meeting. Once the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. Once God is there, it is not a minor meeting. The king of kings and the lord of lords himself has come there. It ceases to be a minor meeting. His presence alone makes it bigger than any international conference you can think about. I pray that God will give you the ability to recognize doors. And I pray that God will give you the strength to open doors. And I pray that God will give you the grace to walk into doors when they come to you. Shall we stand to our feet? I want to pray one prayer this morning. I want to pray that God place the anointing for the recognition of doors upon me. I believe these prayers might seem very simple, but some of you, you have testimonies out of it. The ability to recognize doors. I told you that God says he will not withhold any good thing from you. The good things are all around you. It's just a matter of you being able to recognize the doors that are going to lead you into them. Doors that are going to lead you into higher heights in ministry, higher heights in, in your career, higher heights in business, higher heights in your finances. Just lift up your voice, begin to pray that, Lord, let that grace for the recognition of doors come upon me today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. All the skills in my eyes, 